Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Today I want to I want to talk on this scripture where Jesus talks about uh, peacemakers, um, and he he says it in uh, in Matthew chapter five verse nineteen. He says, "Blessed are the peacemakers." For they will be called children of God. Okay, you can go to Lisa. That would be great. There you are. There you are. She just wanted to test out whether or not I'd take it. Poor thing. Girls, little girls in their minds. Daddy rejected me. I'm preaching. You rejected me. Anyway. Yeah, blessed are the peacemakers. For for they will be called children of God. What a great scripture. I just love how Jesus was all about peace. Um, and he's, he's all about peace in the world. And we can make this, we can extend this scripture to that. But we can't extend a, this, this kind of scripture to the world and peace without first extending it to our own hearts and, and where we are with, with the idea of peace. And the idea of being a peacemaker. James... Uh, Jesus' half-brother, he also touches on, on peace-making. He says in James chapter 3, verse 18, he says in chapter uh, 3 of verse, of, of verse 18 in James, we got it up there? 3.18, it's okay, I got it here. He says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. In other words, when you sow seeds of peace in whatever situation you're going into, whatever thing you're going through, when you sow with peace rather than with whatever else, the opposite of that, strife and arguing and pointing the finger or whatever. When we sow in peace, the harvest of that peace is righteousness. Anybody want to be walking in righteousness? So, so this, is, this is important. And what I'm preaching about is, 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 is a result of being a follower of Christ. It is not a prerequisite of being a follower of Christ. Christ, you, you learned this last week. It's important that as, as I preach, that you understand that everything I'm preaching about is after the fact of knowing Christ. These are not ways that you get to know Christ, what I'm about to teach you. These are all things that are, are results of following Christ. A result and a fruit of being a follower of Jesus is being a peacemaker, right? It's not, I don't want you to understand what I'm about to tell you and talk about as, as being the things you need to do in order to be a righteous person. Because what I just showed you could, Right? Okay, so if I want to be righteous, I need to have, I need to be a peacemaker. I'm going to be a peacemaker now. It's not that simple. First, you've got to know Jesus to understand what peace is in your own heart. First, you've got to know Jesus to understand the depths of, of, of what is going on in your world without Him and how much you actually need Him. Then you can be a true peacemaker. But as we follow this, this walk with Christ, there's going to be moments where we will want to choose things other than being a peacemaker. I mean, maybe I'm the only one in this room that is guilty of that. 
there are moments in my world where I have not been a peacemaker. In fact, I have been the exact opposite. Am I the only one or is there others? Okay, the giggle, okay, we've got some hands, some honest people, and the rest of you are either smart or, or just like I'm, you're trying to work out what I'm saying. Or maybe you're just liars. <laughs> Let me just tell you about the problem with peacemaking. There is a problem with being a peacemaker. The problem with being a peacemaker is, is, is this thing, is, 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 is us. There's a problem with peacemaking. It's, it's us. <laughs> you'll find that we can make a decision to be a peacemaker and say, I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to be a person. That, but, but, but there'll be moments when, when, when you're not being a peacemaker. And uh, I'll tell you those moments will be the, the, here. What I'm about to tell you is, is, is when, we, when we find it hard to be a peacemaker. We find it hard to be a peacemaker when it's personal. Right? And when, when we've been wronged by someone who's wrong. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's, it's difficult to be a peacemaker when the person opposite you is doing something wrong. And they're doing it to you. And, and the, next, the next kind of step we take is, well, we step out of being a peacemaker and we end up being an activist for everything that's right. No? Like, we're, we're not making peace anymore. That, that, I mean, that scripture is like, we can boot that out the window. I ain't doing that one anymore. I got a new, uh, new, new uh, sort of uh, track I'm following right now, and it is called Stand Up For Myself, Argue, and Tell The Other Person How Wrong They Are. And all of a sudden, you have an argument, and all of a sudden, you have conflict, and all of a sudden, it's on, and peacemaking and everything, and the neighbors around are going, ooh, what, I wonder what downstairs is yelling about. You know what I'm talking about, married couple? Okay? <laughs> we suddenly feel the right when we've been wronged, when it's personal, not to be peacemakers. We, we, we feel the right to be noisemakers. <laughs> now, there's all sorts of different types of people that, that there are in this world when it comes to conflict. And you might be one of these, you might be none of these, but there, there's, there's the sulkers, okay? The sulkers, when, when stuff goes wrong, when conflict arises, they don't say much, but they go away and, and they sulk. And it's a little bit passive-aggressive. They'll let you know that they're upset. They'll let you know that it's not right. And uh, they, they, have, they have their ways of making it known that they're upset with you. They're a sulker. Any sulkers? You don't have to put up your hand. And oh, we've got the stuffer. We've got the stuffer. The stuffer is a person who's like, okay, okay, and just puts it all away, puts it all away, puts it away, and then just suddenly they can't stuff anymore, and it all comes out. Stuffers. We've got stuffers when it comes to conflict. We've got sulkers, stuffers. Then we've got litigators. We've got litigators. They're the lawyers in the room. They know how to win an argument. Listen, you don't want to fight with a litigator. Okay, you are going to get beat. They're going to find a way to make you feel this small in about five seconds flat, and you'll be like, what were we arguing about? What was this argument? I don't even know if I feel worthy to stand here anymore. And you'll be left. Litigators, right? Any litigators? You know who you are. Okay. Then we got the fourth one. We got the screamer. The screamer. Conflict happens, and then the screaming is on. It's like Pavarotti. It's happening in your home. Right? It's like an opera. It's happening, right? <laughs> or we got number, six, or number five, we got the teller. The one who doesn't say much, but then they go and tell everyone, right? They go and talk about you, right? About how bad you are, okay? 
And then there's the sixth person, and, and you might be this person. You might, you might have got this down, but is the, the peacemaker, the person who makes peace, right? We won't want to be the peacemaker. But when it gets personal, when, it's, when you've been wronged, uh, generally the, the, the pattern is we, we become one of these people. And each of them is, is wrong in their own way because we're not really dealing with the issue. We're not really dealing with the problem. In fact, these things tend to make arguments and conflict and, 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 and bumps in relationships worse than better, right? Who knows what I'm talking about? The Bible actually weighs in on this. But I'm just going to warn you, the next few moments that we spend here are going to be personal. You cannot talk about something as close to our hearts as this without getting a little close to the bone. And if, as, I, as I tell you what I'm about to tell you and teach you the scripture, I just want you to know this. I didn't, I didn't you know, set this church up to make anyone feel guilty. What I did is set up a church that we could have a relationship together and grow. And sometimes we grow out of tension, right? That's how you body build, right? You get weight on the end of that bar and you just keep building up the, the bar, isn't it, Harry? That's how you get that big, those big biceps, right? You, kept, you keep pushing. What we're about to do, what we're about to do here in this room is put some tension on the end of that bar to help us all to grow. Are you ready? You ready? Tell the person next to you that they should be ready. Just tell them you should be ready. <laughs> now, what I want you to do, as we let what I'm about to read you sink in, I want, I want it to lead you to repentance in Christ. And I'm telling you something. What I'm about to teach you, I know you've probably heard this before, and it's, this is like a red, uh, you know, a red flag for anyone normally to run when anybody says this, but what I'm about to teach you actually could change your world. When it comes to conflict when it comes to relationships where things aren't going right, whether it be family, whether it be boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, sister, brother, whatever these situations are. If we can actually let this sink into our world and pray this through as a result of this service, it can change your world. I want to read to you James chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. You ready? James chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. So what's James saying here? Let me tell you something. When you read the book of James, you get slapped in the face a little bit. He is, he is one of those types of personalities who just says it how it is. Like he isn't, he isn't holding back any punches. He's going to say it as he is. And, and when we read this, it's like the tone of this is almost like, well, James, like, were you like, had you just woken up? You hadn't had your coffee yet? You started writing and you're like just angry? Because like the tone of this is like, wow, okay, it's a bit personal, it's a bit like a punch in the face. But 
when we actually begin to break this down and understand what James is saying here, it's actually true. What, fires, what, 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 he, what he's saying is what causes fights and quarrels it's, is, is, is them. Is that what he's saying? What causes fights and quarrels and conflict in our world? Well, it's always them. Is that what James say, is saying? No, it's not. What James is saying is this, is what, fight, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the battles that rage within you? Okay, James, listen. I'm done. Morning devotion's over. This ain't making me feel so positive. I don't like these parts of the Bible where it gets too personal. Maybe I'll just tear this, this section out of the Bible because it's, 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 we, never, we may never look at conflict as a problem with us, do we? Do we? It's always, conflict is always a problem with them. Oh, they did this and they said that and, 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 and they were wrong and, 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 and it goes on. Listen, I'm only saying this because I know I've been there. I struggle with this too. I'm just, I'm just the one delivering the message today. We never view conflict as a problem with us. Never. But what are these desires, James, that you're talking about? The desires that battle within us. You've got to understand, this can help you. Well, first, he talks about the desire to kill. Okay, all right. Now, James, you're just getting too serious. I ain't never had a murderous thought. I've never thought about killing anyone. Well... I mean, there was that one time where I considered it, but then I remembered that it's wrong, thou shalt not murder. And, uh, and my husband said sorry, and my wife said sorry, and I decided not to go down that route. Just kidding. What's he talking about when he's talking about killing? Well, I think he's making reference to something that Jesus said. When Jesus said, basically, that when you hate, it's as good as murder. If you, he, he says this, he says that if you have hate in your heart, he basically calls out a person as a murderer when they've got hate in their heart. Now, okay, you might say, well, I don't hate anyone. <coughs> well, we, we sometimes we, we misunderstand this world because it's, been, it's like one of those words that's a bit misused. Um, but it's, let's think of it in terms of being the exact opposite of love. And let's just think about love for a second. Now, love is what? Is love a feeling or is it a doing? Now, it brings about a feeling, but first it's a, it's a doing. It's something you do. Love is something you do, okay? Now, hate is also not a feeling, although it does result in a feeling. It doesn't start off as a feeling. Hate is something that you do. Hate is something that you do. And hate is the opposite of love. So, so, so hear this. Hate is the stuff that you do that isn't love in your world. You don't have an in-between. We, we sometimes think that with God there's an in-between. There's no in-between. There's wrong and right. There's love and there's hate. There's not like sort of love and sort of hate. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if it was like that, but it's not. Okay, you're either, you're either acting in love or you're acting in Okay, it's getting personal, isn't it? It's getting a little quiet in the room. 
Just look at the person next to you and say, it gets better, it's okay. It's okay, just stay with him. It's all right, don't, we didn't come to church today to go without feeling like we're beaten over the head with the Word of God. No, that's not what we're here to do. But we have to understand the depravity and some, um, some of the stuff that goes on in our heart and some of the things that we do. The Bible says to do everything in... Some of you know. Do everything in love. So those things that are in our world where we're not doing it in love... We're doing it in hate. And James equates this with murder. You've got murder in your heart. What you're doing is murderous. If you, if you continue on with that pattern of thought, you know where this ends up eventually. That's why when, as soon as we, we do things that aren't based in love in our world, they bring distraction. And you might even be right about something, but if you come about that, that right, being right about whatever you're right about, not from a place of love, it's going to bring distraction for you. That's why it does. That's why it always blows up in your face when you think you're right, but you do something out of a place of hate. Because we enter in, we, take, we partake of sin. And it's a trick. The enemy wants, to, he wants you to be walking in that so that he can keep you trapped. But Jesus wants you set free of that kind of lifestyle. He wants you to be producing good fruit. And today's a day of growing. Then he talks about coveting. So we got hate down. Then we talks about, he talks about coveting. You know when you look at coveting, and I have to read this. I, I just wrote this down from some, some of my own studies about the word coveting where he says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. Let me just read this to you. This is from one of my books that I have about, that's like a, a commentary on Scripture. And it says this, it says, the Hebrew word for covet in the Tenth Commandment, so in the Ten Commandments it says, do not covet, right? Do not covet. So the Hebrew word for covet in the Tenth Commandment means an ungoverned and selfish desire that threatens the basic rights of others. I'm going to help you understand what I'm getting at here. Stay with me. Don't switch off. But it is an ungoverned and selfish desire that threatens the basic rights of others. This is what coveting is. Coveting is this. It, coveting is in the heart something in your heart that leads you to take what is desired. Now let's bring this into a relationship. Let's bring this into a conflict. Say in a, in a relationship, you feel like the person that is opposite you that you're in conflict with is not respecting you. Let's just talk about something as simple as respect. You know what? That person, they don't have respect. Now, you want respect, so what do you do in order to get respect? You'll do something in order to get respect from that person. You're going to take it from them. Take it from you. I'm going to take respect. You will respect me because that is what I desire. Do you, do you know who I am? 
We take respect. You know, if you're a person that doesn't know the love of Christ yet, I, I so desire you, want, you, you to know it in its fullness. Because what it does is it fills your heart with so much peace and so much hope, so much joy, that you just have this strength to walk in life knowing that you're loved. But if you don't know you're loved yet, in relationships, you'll covet it. And what you'll do is when you feel like that person's not loving you, you'll desire it so much, you'll do something to take it from them. I'm going to make you love me. It's getting quiet in the room, right? But I'm just, I'm just underlining some of our behaviors. If we, we, we desire intimacy. So want to be intimate with that person, with my partner. But it's not happening. It's not working out. And we'll do something because we covet it. See, coveting, coveting is, is, is in the heart. It's, it's actually taking what is desired. Now, here's the deal that we have to remember, that we have to understand. You've got to understand this. Each person in every relationship, in, in their walk of life, and I'm not about to give you some, so this statement that I'm about to make could be taken the wrong way and be like, hey, what the heck is Ryan preaching about? It's wrong. It's not wrong. When you think about it, every person that walks this earth has the right, if they so want to, to sin. <laughs> okay? Now, there is consequences for their sin. The wages of sin uh, is death. They're going to end up in a place away from God as a result of their sins. But if they want to choose that, they can. You understand? So, let's just talk about this in terms of a relationship. When you have a relationship going on, you want to sit here? Okay. When we have a relationship going on, there you are. And the person opposite you is in sin. And it's personal to you. And it's affecting you as a person. It's, it's, it's abstracting your peace. And it's affecting you. And it hurts because what they should be doing is something different. Do you understand? So what do we do? Out of our desires... We start to argue or we start to do things in order to get what we desire and what we have to, what our right is. But every person, you have to understand this, has a right to sin. Now, they will suffer the consequences as a, as a result of their sin. But what you don't want to do when you covet is this. When you covet, you partake of the same sin. And you partake of the same destruction that they are walking on into. And you've got war. What causes wars and battles amongst you? You. And your desires and what you want. It's not them. It's not them. Maybe it's good that Willow's up here today because it's such a heavy sermon. It's just nice to have this cute, pretty little 
person up on stage. Hello? You okay? <laughs> Who's learning something today? Who's a little bit challenged by this? You're like, oh man, I just want to go back on every argument I've ever had and just rewrite it. <laughs> I don't, hey, I can't compete with you, all right? <laughs> so every person has a basic right to act however they want. Every person has a right to sin if they so want. But when it's personable for you, when, when you come into a place where that's affecting you, what you tend to do is what you're desiring, you covet for. And you hate because you haven't got it. So you do things out of hate in order to get it. You covet in order to get it. And you end up with World War III in some, in some of your relationships, right? And they're like, how did we get there? Oh, it's a problem with them. They've got to stop doing this and they've got to stop doing that and they've got to stop doing this and they've got to stop doing that and then I'll be okay. But, like, when has that ever worked out? It doesn't. <laughs> so what do we do then, Ryan? Okay, fine. I'm not supposed to argue? Is that what you're saying? I'm not supposed to go and, like, stand up for myself when someone is wronging me? No, that's not what I'm saying. Because the Bible also talks about taking truth and love together. We've got to be walking in truth. So sometimes we've got to tell people the truth about what they're doing. But the Bible also tells us that we have to be doing these things from a place of? So this is the challenge that you need the, you need the Holy Spirit for. You need Jesus for in your world. Is how do I approach this subject with my wife, with my husband, with my boyfriend, with my girlfriend, with my mum, with my dad, with my brother, sister, mother, whoever. How do I approach this? Because you can't leave it. It's just going to get worse. How do I approach this in truth? where I actually tell them the truth, and at the same time, I love them. How do I do that? God, I need your help on that. See, that's what you need to do. Don't take the, the path of coveting and hate and just arguing and throwing the baby out in the bathwater with the bathwater because you're hurt now. The moment you do that, there's going to be war. You don't want that. God wants you to be a peacemaker. That's what He desires for you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. God has an inheritance for you, but He wants to lead you into it first. You dropped your ring? So you need to ask first as you walk into these relationships, as you walk into these conflicts, as you walk into these things, what is it that I'm actually looking for in this fight? In this conflict, what is it that I actually desire? Do I, die, I, I, do I desire respect? Is it because they're not respecting me? Do, is it because I don't feel love? Is it because I'm hurt? Is it because like, what, the way they're acting is like affecting my security? Whatever it is, you need to know what the actual motive is underneath everything. You need to know. What am I actually looking for in this conflict? What is it that I actually want? What is the motive of my heart? And then the second thing you need to ask after you know what that is, is this question. It's an important question to ask. Does the person that I desire it from have the capacity to give it to me? 
Does the person that I desire this thing from have the capacity to give it to me? Now, sometimes in a marriage, when day by day stuff is going on and, and fights kind of can go for a few days and you think they're disappeared and gone and then they come up again, you realise, oh, we're still fighting. I thought we've... Anyway, maybe that's just me, right? But, okay. Sometimes the question I have to ask myself is, does Rachel, at this point in time, my beautiful wife, who never does anything wrong, but sometimes we fight, does she have the capacity to give me what I desire right now? Now, I might feel she is not hearing me. And I'm not being heard. That's a big one for me. I, when I don't get heard, I'm like, I just like explode for some reason. When like people aren't understanding what I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm the screamer. I'm like, you're not hearing me, so I get louder. And I get louder and I get louder, okay? Until I'm like, can you hear me now? Like, you're screaming. You still can't hear me. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm saying, you know? That's where I go, right? I'm just being honest with you. Not so you can judge me, so you can you can judge yourself and know that it's okay, you're not the only one. When, when I go to that place, I need to remind myself that maybe in this moment, Rachel doesn't have the capacity to give me what I desire. Maybe she just can't hear me right now because she's too upset. She's too emotional. She's got some others. She's just had the kids, you know, all day being kids and She's had 10 girls that have called, ringing her on the phone, weeping about something that's happened or whatever. And she's just, by the time I've gotten home and with all of my needs, she just doesn't have the capacity to give me what I want. Does the person that you are looking to for whatever you desire, do they have the capacity to give it to you? Most of the time you'll find the answer is no. That's why they're not giving it to you. Now, let it be said that if that person is a person that is being destructive in your world and doing things that are wrong, I mean, obviously, you need to put boundaries down and you may need to move away and put distance between you and that person, okay? I'm not saying that we get walked all over by people and all of that sort of stuff. But we have to, we have to do this. We have to first, we have to understand what am I actually looking for in the conflict. The second thing we have to do is Ask, does this person have the capacity to do what I desire? Okay. And James says this in, in, um, in 4, 2 to 3. He says, um, in, in part B of, of verse 2, he says, You do not have because you do not ask God. Does a person have the capacity to give you what you desire? And James says it. He says, you do not have because why? You haven't asked God for it. Because the only one that can actually give you what you need and desire and what you want is Him. He's the only one. You, 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 so often, how many conflicts could have you totally like avoided? had you first gone to Him. And just like, God, this is what I desire. This is what I want. And they're not giving it to me. They're not giving me what I want. Lord, I don't know why, I, what is it in me 
that so desires that particular thing. The Holy Spirit will, the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you in that. And then in verse uh, 3 of chapter 4 in James, it says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I mean, you go to God. God, I don't know where your snack box is. God, I, 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 you know, they're doing this and they're doing that. And I need you to change their heart. Right? All of those sorts of prayers. You, we, we, could be, we could be spending all of this amazing time with God, but with a complete wrong motive. And it could be a real... And we, where, we, where we miss those opportunities with Him because we've got the wrong motives. Where God had a whole new thing. He wants to bring you into freedom from conflict and freedom where you can walk through anything and, and stand up and be who you are and who God has called you to be and not be affected by all the wars that go around you. But, 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 but here you are, you're just, oh, it's them, it's them, it's them, it's them. It's wrong motives. It's wrong motives. <laughs> so the third point is this, just go to God. Go to God. James says it later on in this chapter. He says in, in four, chapter 4, uh, verses 8 to 10, he says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And this is interesting what James goes into. He says, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. It's like that's the opposite of any sort of positive sort of scriptures that we look for in the Bible. It's like grieve. Looking for my morning, you know, my morning build up this morning. You know, Lord, I just need you. I need some joy. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to glory. What is that about? Well, that is where you begin to discover what's really going on in your heart. See, when the light shines on you, we need to allow ourselves to understand the gravity of the covetousness, of the hate, of the stuff that lies within us. And we need to let it grieve us. And there does need to be a time of mourning as we come in, but don't do it alone. It's not self-hate, but it's understanding the depths of how much you need to be saved by a loving Saviour and how much you need Him to rescue you out of what you struggle with. In verse 10, I love this. Humble yourselves before the Lord. It's not about them, it's about you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He, He, and He, He, will lift you up. He will lift you up. He'll lift you up. I just want you to imagine your world free of all those conflicts where you have gone in with your desires, with what you need, with what you need to be met, where you're free of that. Where you can walk into conflict and when you can see that it's not going to go to the place where you actually want, where you actually desire it to go, where you can stand and go to God. How many conflicts could you be avoiding 
if you are beginning to apply this into your world. You will become known as a peacemaker. Not an avoider. Not a person who just runs away when, when, when the going gets tough. And, oh, yeah, you're going to pray now, are you? It's not like that. But it's, you've gone to Him and you've assessed what's really going on in you. And you give it time for the other person. Well, sometimes you just got to let that person be. Sometimes you, they, maybe they're just not going to change. But God will give you the desires of your heart. God will give you the freedom which you so long for. God will lift you up. It's in Him. It's in Him. And as we know it's in Him, as we find it in Him, relationships get better. Conflict goes away. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Amen? Who's learned something today? It's a good word, huh? Praise God. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi. 